0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Voyages of Tim Better podcast. On today's episode, I have a conversation with the astrologer, Angel Idealism. I've never gone to an astrologer before, or a tarot card reader, or a psychic of any kind. So this was a first for me. But I became interested in this when I listened to the most recent episode of the Duncan Trussell podcast, in which he talked a bit about the occult, and uh, tarot card readings. And I thought that it would be a a cool idea to go to see somebody who could give me a reading um, for all of you guys on the podcast. And so I researched a bit and I saw that Angel Idealism has a bit of a following and she's also a live performer. She has some, some videos. There are articles written about her. I think there's one from the Washington Post about how she was predicting... Through uh, astrology charts, she was predicting the outcome of the presidential election that just happened. So I made my way to the East Village, and I joined her in her apartment for a reading. And it was really interesting. I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to things like this. Again, I had never done something like this before. But I do think that a lot of the things that she talked about in my chart were pretty accurate. I don't know what that says about astrology as a field, but I found it interesting, and it was a really fun time. She is really one of a kind. Uh, She's a live performer, like I said. She has a show on December 11th at uh, Howell, and I would recommend that you go and you meet with her. I think one of the important messages that you're going to hear in this conversation is that you just you can't take life too seriously. Uh, she pointed out how a lot of millennials nowadays are, are, are so wrapped up in their own issues and they live life like it. all of their issues are just so important and we need to laugh a little bit and to have some fun. There's one point where Angel does a performance of her rendition of The Star-Spangled Banner, which was truly amazing. Um, she had the sounds playing, which sounded like a UFO landing. So if you only have four minutes today, please skip to about three quarters of the way through and listen to that first because it really is amazing. Now one thing I want to talk about is that Angel is raw and she speaks her mind and she says whatever she wants and I really admire that. Now due to that, I had to censor some of the language. And I feel kind of ridiculous for doing that. Um, I really, I, I want my guests and uh, to be able to say whatever's on their mind, and I want to be able to say whatever is on my mind as well. And so I did not censor any of her content. But please understand that this—I I don't make money off of this podcast. Uh, it is not my livelihood. Um, and like a lot of other people that. Has a job that you know their coworkers are aware of the podcast, as mine are, and people listen. I can't have a you know a ton of swearing. Um, I just don't think it would bode well. And so again, I feel completely ridiculous for that. Uh, in the conversation, we talk about how she used to be in a punk band, and you know I grew up in my teens going to shows in New York City, going to punk shows, and I still listen to a lot of underground music and punk music and hardcore bands and it's uncensored, and people speak their minds. And if that makes you uncomfortable, well then okay, it's good to be uncomfortable. But at the same time, you know, a lot of us do represent companies and institutions and things like that, and so I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable that, you know, that I work with, or, uh, you know, I don't want to, to bite the hand that feeds and have a podcast you know, full of swear words or things like that. So I, I did apologize to her for that. I tried to keep, I mean really the I, I kept about 99.5% of the conversation. There's just going to be a couple bleeps and bloops over a couple words. So I'm sorry if that's annoying to listen to. Um, and I'm sorry, again, if you disagree with that, I completely understand If that makes this one unlistenable for you, okay, I get it. But there's not a whole lot of censoring here again, so I I think that there's a lot of fun stuff in here that, um, that you'll enjoy. A lot of the conversation, too, I want to note that I was pretty quiet for I let Angel speak for the majority of it. And so you're going to hear me go, "Hmm, yeah, oh, wow, like a lot of those sort of just furthering the conversation because, again, this is not something that I had any real prior knowledge about. And so I was sitting there kind of fascinated and learning and staring at my chart and trying to follow everything that Angel was talking about. And so due to that, I was more of a of a passive listener then I wasn't really facilitating a lot of the conversation. Uh, I think that for me the most exciting and most interesting part was learning about angel actually and it was was less about learning about myself or hearing about my chart and so I think maybe even one day I'd like to revisit that because she does have such an amazing history of performance in New York City and she was telling me how when well, she'll get into a lot of this, but how when she was in a band, she used to hang around with um, the members of Sonic Youth, and how you know that was no big deal for her back then. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, and it was cool to hear her perspective of the city at that time. So all that to say, I hope you enjoy this, and um, be sure to Subscribe, to leave comments, to leave a star rating, and to email me with any feedback you have, any questions, any suggestions, and things like that. I'm always open to hearing that. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoy this one. Until next time, peace. Okay, so I'm here today in the East Village with Angel, and Angel is an astrologist. I'm saying that correct? Okay, awesome. So explain to me first uh, the difference between someone who's an astrologist and a, a psychic or a clairvoyant or something like that.
1: Okay, um, an astrologer is somebody who does uh, astrology, and uh, astrology is a pseudoscience that's based on two exact sciences, the exact mathematical science of geometry and the geometric relationships the planets form to each other at the time, date, and place of each person's birth. And um, astronomy, which is the scientific study of the patterns and habits of the various celestial bodies. Um, and so my job is to interpret, that's the pseudoscience part of it, what, what all these glyphs on this uh, pie wheel mean and how it uh, how it breaks down to your life. Now, I I, uh, I do read tarot cards, which is more of an intuitive um uh, asp- uh, memoir It's definitely an, an intuitive practice um, I don't refer to myself as a psychic or a cl- clairvoyant but um, go ahead ask me if I'm a medium are you a medium? no I'm a lodge I can't <laughs> help myself I just really can I'm size lodge you know uh, maybe these junior sizes, extra <laughs> large, but, you know, I can't do the medium thing anymore. <laughs> it's not since the 90s. Uh, but I, so the difference, uh, all kidding aside, uh, in my opinion, I have never been to a psychic that was not full of shit. Okay. That was a couple, that was three or four or five double negatives, but there's ten, Well, like, for example, once when I was a very young lady, I, I uh, just wandered into one of these storefront um places and they said uh you know they they you know read, read read my tarot cards and the first thing the woman said is she went oh, and I said what and she said men they want to use you for sex I'm like no <laughs> kidding lady I'm 20 years old I want to use myself for sex like right now <laughs> so uh so basically the difference is that uh astrology is based on science and it's a, an incredible you can you have to have more than two brain cells to be an astrologer there's a huge amount of uh, a data memorization and then you don't just regurgitate it to a client um you explain things to them because they're flesh and blood people sitting in front of you with a whole history and and quite a lot of things that might have prompted them to you know to to make this appointment um and you know but but psychics and and mediums in my estimation they tend to prey on the vulnerability mm. of the client like they'll say things like oh you have um You've got smegma in your aura, and we i That's going to be another eight, nine, you know, ten thousand dollars to take care of that sort got of you. thing, and you know, and people become afraid, and and i, I just find it—it it just preys on negativity.
0: I understand, and it's so-
1: manipula- ma- manipulative. So when people call me and want a psychic, I say go to a storefront, bitch.
0: So then, when they come to you, what are? Why is someone coming to you? Are they looking for answers? Are they looking to?
1: Well, yes, they're looking for answers, and I'm, I'm I feel confident I can give people very specific answers to questions. There's there's a lot of vagary that happens when you, uh, when you go to a, a, a tarot card reader or a psychic.
0: Okay, um, has there been an uptick in people looking for advice and someone to talk to with the uh, results of the election?
1: I think, like myself included, I was really shell-shocked. I did not prepare myself for the horror uh, at all. Um, and I had predicted in the Washington Post that Hillary would win a year and a half ago. Mm. Uh, and so, Yeah, I read that today. Oh, you did read that. Yeah. So, in my estimation, she did win. She won my heart. So, she won, and she won the popular vote. So, I'm going to go with that as a <laughs> as a win here. Uh, and, you know, we're, we don't know what's going to happen. I, I it, And also, I, that was a cold read, meaning that the Philip Bump from the Washington Post called me and asked if I would, you know, uh, give a prediction on the 2016 presidential election. This was a year and a half ago. Uh, and I said, oh, okay, I've never done a, a presidential uh, prediction before. And he says, okay, I'll be over in 15 minutes I'm like 15 <laughs> minutes oh my god I could take 15 hours or 15 days at least I could be going you know um, you know greater astro- astrological uh, astrological minds and I would would are still trying to figure out what the heck happened um, so I would I I needed a few weeks to kind of regroup and ground myself and then I'm going to you know start hitting uh, going back to astrology to see what happened okay. and also we can do um, I could do a a um, uh, a chart for the inauguration, the 2017 okay. inauguration. We It's either going to be at noon or just before noon or just afternoon because you have to have the time. But most astrologers have already cast it for January 20th, 2017 uh, uh, at noon to see what comes up. So uh, I have not done that yet. I've just perused it. And again, I've been shell-shocked, like, right. you know, at least half of America and half of the world. Um, so I will get back to that now that I have, you know, I was just so emotional about it. And, uh, what I like about astrology is there's a certain detachment there. It's just, you know, it's basically, you know, analyzing a lot of data and, you know, and, you know. And, and again, there is an intuitive uh, aspect to astrology. I call, when I call it my freestyling, where I just go around the wheel and what comes up, whatever comes up at the top of my head without um, doing a lot of analysis. That's the more intuitive aspect of what I do here. Gotcha. Um, but yes, my phone's been ringing off the hook. Like, I'm yeah, freaking sure. out. <laughs> Is the world over? Can I wear my burqa in the street the next four years? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. So, in I was thinking of a bunch of things to talk to you about. And uh, I guess that's kind of connected to do you feel any sort of like weight on your shoulders or responsibility when it comes to you are essentially in a position where that you're able to influence the decisions that somebody makes
1: and they're they're possibly
0: acting based on what they learn. I learned. tell
1: people, you're a grown-up, the decisions are all yours. Gotcha. I am giving you advice. But like, oh, should I break up with my boyfriend? Right. Is he beating you? Yes. Okay, right. that's not about the astrology. That's about, you know, like sometimes it's common sense things, of course. Right.
0: So some um, people maybe need more of like a therapist when they come? Or?
1: And I make it very clear that I'm not a therapist. Right. Like some people want to talk the whole session. And, and, you know, to quote my astrologer, Bob Marks, he says, do you want to hear your voice on the tape or do you want to hear my voice on the tape? And trust me, you want to hear my voice on the tape when you listen back to this. Yeah, so you were saying, okay, you shut up. Okay, great. You know, <laughs> He's hilarious, you know, so that's his way of saying, you know, sh- shut the front door, shut up. You know?
0: I got you. Um, so... I guess with with most things I'm a bit of a skeptic. Like I want
1: to be in things. I welcome
0: skeptic. Okay, yeah. So I was going to ask like I'm assuming most people who come are pretty open or do you run into like a lot of resistance?
1: No, not not usually. Uh, I, I, I there's a lot of you know articles about me online, so people are you know they're attracted to my brand, if you want to say in uh-huh. in, in corporate terms or my my colorful nature, my potty mouth, or whatever it is that they're attracted to, or just the testimonials that I do very solid reads. Uh, you know, so I generally don't get people who give me give me crap because I'd give it right back to them. Okay, I got you. All right, so, I gave
0: you some information about my birth.
1: And I can say your birth year. You're not you're you're oh, Yeah, embarrassed. Okay. okay. All right. You, you, you kind of got that Doogie Howser vibe. You could be 12, oh my God. you could be 30. <laughs> I've, I've heard that so many times. Oh my God, he's times. 13, he's 30, he's 13, he's 30. I feel, you know, if, if somebody's dating you, do they think, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pedophile? <laughs> oh, you coughs! Well, it's,
0: it's. I get it in like all aspects of life. Okay. I get carded uh, everywhere. You know, I, I work with, youth and I look like I'm younger than they are so I get I'm
1: used to it. Okay. Okay. So but, I can say your information. Yeah, you were for born sure. in you, you the information you gave me uh, Tim Vetter born in Smithtown, New York in Suffolk County uh, June 17th, 1986 at 11:55 p.m. and that is p.m. not a.m. Correct. Okay. All right, may I may I start the yeah, absolutely. assessment? Okay. The reading, as it were. This is what's known as a natal chart interpretation, and I'll throw transits in as well. Um, This time, date, and place gives you the last degree of Aquarius rising. Now, the 29th degree of any sign is known as the anoretic degree, not anorexic. Anoretic, meaning it's the last degree of the sign, okay? So it's the most exaggerated degree. So you have Aquarius rising, so that's like having robot rising, (laughs) hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <We> do <not. laughs> Hi, I'm very intelligent, and most people can't relate to me. Get over it. I'm fun, and I'm friendly, and oh, I have a no. nice smile. Is that me? Totally, yeah. Oh, no. All right, <laughs> so um, Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, and what is so interesting about your chart is that the ruler of your ascendant, and also the ascendant, it's your face for society. It's your appearance, it's your personality, it's how you roll at the party. Like, when you leave the house and you go out, this is who you are, this is how people... It's social and public perception of you. Okay. I would say more social. Um, Tenth house would be more public, like as in career. But anyway, but... um, you have, uh, so anyway, you have some interesting stuff here. So the ruler of your Aquarius ascendant is Uranus, and Uranus rules internet. Uranus rules radio, rules television, anything that plugs in, turns on, and electrifies the world with new knowledge, like the internet or like television or like radio, um, and video for that matter as well. So the ruler of your ascendant, which is your social perception, sits in the 10th house, the house of career, okay? Okay. Uh, And, oh, and this is very interesting as well. And the ruler of your Uranus, which is at 20 degrees of Sagittarius, and I'll tell you why that's also interesting to me later. Um, uh, Jupiter is ruled by, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, and your Jupiter sits back in. The first house, the house of socializing, the house of making very intense social connections. And so you have Jupiter, the luckiest planet there is, in the house of personality, in the house of social encounters. So when you're out at the party, the way you roll, you always know the VIP to talk to. Okay. You know, <laughs> you, making social connections is one of your 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 greatest things. You're your, wherever Jupiter is, you want to work that house. Okay. Okay. You and I have the same Jupiter, meaning that we both have Jupiter in Pisces. We're a couple years apart. <laughs> yeah, I am before names. I'm Donnie Darko's mother. If anybody wants to know, there wasn't a name for our generation, <laughs> millennials. Yeah, and, and millennials have been on my poop rag lately, so I'm I'm just it was a horrible thing to say. I but think I, that
0: ju- I think I just avoided being a millennial,
1: right? Um, or am no, I a you are, definitely are. Millennial started in '84. Oh. I know, I know. Damn. So you are. So, but the the older ones, so, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting used to them. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so you have Jupiter in Pisces. Now, Jupiter uh, is your path and your dharma. When you understand your Jupiter, then you know where to go in your life. Okay. Now, it's interesting. I know this Jupiter position very well because I have it as well. So your Jupiter. And Pisces means that you may want to have a dual career, and there's other things to support that as well. So Pisces is the saint, the sinner, the spiritualist, the debaucher. Um, so uh, and, and Pisces is ruled by Neptune, and Neptune rules music. It rules film uh, and broadcast, for that matter. Uh, Neptune rules spirituality. um, uh, So music, film, spirituality, creativity. um, These are all things that Neptune rules. Neptune also rules drugs, for that matter, or deviant behavior. It can go, it it can get it it's the saint or the sinner. So people that have Jupiter and Pisces could have a dual path. Okay, for example, I'm a performance artist and singer, that's one path that I've taken, and I'm also an astrologer and spiritualist. Like, for example, it would be great if I was just on stage performing all the time, hey, hey, me, 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 like most performers I know that are selfish and self-absorbed, but I could never just be that because there's a part of me that really wants to serve humanity, that wants to give back, that wants to do a spiritual thing. Uh, practice to help others in the world. Um, so that's how I split my time. Uh, and, it you know, anybody who has a Jupiter in Pisces, so remember, understanding the principles of your Jupiter is important for um, for your success or lack there, therein. Okay. So anyway, so... Um, Can I ask yes, a, a sure. quick
0: question? So, sure. Uh, that made me think of something, because you're talking about spirituality. And I think that when some people think of coming to an astrologist or something like that. Like there's this old school thought like, oh, well, that's kind of like paganism or something. But can do you see people coming to an astrologist like in conjunction with like
1: following one of the, you know, five major religions or something like
0: that? Do you see them working together? Well,
1: I have nothing to do re- with religion. I'm a-religious, meaning I don't subscribe to any religious, nor am I atheist. I mean, I just, I was raised Catholic. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, Which is interesting, sorry. But my Yiddish is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody always goes, you do it. No, you do it, you do it. Like, oh, oh, gefilte fish already. You know, I'm always saying these things. I want to do this mashup of Ebonics and Yiddish and and piss up a whole lot of people (laughs) and make people laugh in the process, you know, because everybody needs to kind of, in my opinion, everybody needs to get over themselves. Yeah, for sure. This group fighting this group, like enough already, can't take it. Uh, So so to answer your question, um, I mean, I have... Jewish people come here. I have Muslims come here. I have uh, uh, Catholics come here. I have people who don't imagine what the fuck they what. No, okay. What they are? Because it does. It, it doesn't matter to me. I don't. Ma- I don't care about any of that. This is really beyond all that, in my estimation. Okay. I find most religion based on economy, frankly. Uh, I know. Mm. I know Catholic Church was for sure, uh, and that uh, that's it. Doesn't doesn't suit me. Okay. I, I consider myself a spiritual person in that I, um, I am very aware of myself and I'm very aware of other people and I try to treat people with kindness and respect. Um, or I smack them around, you know? <laughs> 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 they get out of line and go, no, I'm just kidding. So. All right, yeah, no, that, uh, that makes sense. So back to your chart. So across from the ascendant is always the descendant. Mm-hmm. So the ascendant is your social incarnation, your face for society, how you roll at the party. And the descendant is how you roll one-on-one. In other words, who are you going to marry who you're going to hang out with in an intimate setting, a, a tet tete of one and one okay? So you have 29 degrees of Leo, which is, again, the anoretic or last degree of Leo because it's opposite the last degree of Aquarius. There, You know, it's the polarity of Aquarius-Leo. Um, so the interesting thing is that the fixed star Regulus is 29 degrees of Leo, 28-29. So Regulus is, is sitting on your descendant, so that means you want to marry somebody who is, uh, uh, who, somebody who is v- an exaggerated L- Leoan, okay? okay? Somebody, because you're cool, you come off as cool and detached and intellectual, you need somebody who's warm and generous and a little over the top, okay? That's the only, and some is an exaggerated version of that because it's the 29th degree of Leo. And does now, that mean that person's more likely to? To be a Leo
0: as their astrological They can science? be a Leo. Okay.
1: That's quite possible. Because if they have, well, it's again, it's the 29th degree, so they'd have to have something at the last degree of Leo to sit right there. But you also have, oh, for the most of this chart, you have... Uh, of this house, you have Virgo in here as as well. So, for example, if somebody had Venus and Virgo, oh, God forbid, already, um, or uh, several planets. <laughs> is that in, bad? Uh, <laughs> Venus and Virgo is the worst. Oh boy! It's, it's I love you, comma, but you feed a stinky. You know what <laughs> I mean? There's always comma, but there's ne- there's never like I love you. period There's no unconditional love. The love is uber conditional okay. with Venus. You don't have that. Thank God. You have a couple other crazy symbols, but, but anyway. Oh no. <laughs> so anyway um, that's just what the the seventh house it's cusp and contents are what um, are marriage indicators and also there's a uh, an asteroid called Juno, which is a marriage indicator. But anyway, so for you, you want to wear, marry somebody who who is of royalty. That's because that's what Regulus, like regal, Regulus, represents. Or somebody who's a rock star or famous. Like, for example, I had some transiting Regulus thing once, and uh, I read for Dennis Quaid, who I consider Hollywood royalty. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, so it was like some monthly, th- on my monthly chart, I had Regulus, whatever, and it's like movie stars all month. Well, wait, what are you going to do? Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know. I'm not name-dropping, but I just did. Yeah. But anyway, so that's just to um, uh, explain what Regulus means. So
0: basically, if you are a rock star out there, you should marry me. That's what yeah. we're saying. All right. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Hello. <laughs> All right. So now, second house and eighth house. So you just do, go. I call it going round the wheel. Um, you have Aries... Um, you have Aries on the cusp of your second house, uh, and Aries is me first now, go go go, meaning you could be very proactive or pushy about going out and making the money, uh, and being a leader, being a pioneer, being the the um, the first person to do something. You okay. Know, I I call I want to make business cards that they say the first <laughs> to do. Shit. I can say right. I just did. Whoops, <laughs> it's a it's a female dog. Um, so. <laughs> We're not going to go any further with that one. Uh, so the ruler of uh, Aries is Mars. And your Mars, where's your pesky little Mars? Is in the 11th house, the house of hope, dreams, wishes, and humanitarian causes. So the more you are proactive about giving to your community... Joining groups for the betterment of mankind, the literally the more money you have. So the more you mm. give to others in a communal sense, um, I call this the, house, the, um, the 11th house where the ruler of your second sits. I call it the house of partridge. Um, Florence Henderson just passed away. Uh, Oh, and there's another Mm -hmm. reason why all of our... Oh, my icons are dying. Oh, my icons are dying. Oh, the stars are dead. Um, I used to sing in a punk rock band. I used to have one called Womb Service. Anyway, so um, (laughs) there's a reason why astrologically all of these people, these uh, these old school celebrities are dying uh, because Neptune and Saturn are squaring each other. Neptune rules music and film, so music and film stars. Uh, and Saturn is the end of days. It's the end of things. It rules the grim reaper. It rules death. It's also uh, why the bubble burst because Neptune is like an imaginary bubble. It's what you your fantasy. So Neptune is fantasy, and Saturn is reality. So fantasy and reality are battling it out. Hmm. You know, uh, Neptune uh, obscures reality, and um, uh, and then uh, Saturn pops the bubble of. Fantasy. So it's been playing out, but it's been killing off all of our stars. They're having a big old party in heaven. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. You know, down here we're like, Oh, they're like, Oh you know, Prince is up there, like, whoa. Having a good time. So anyway, um Uh, Okay, because you can do, you know, the chart, you know, you can explain certain things that are happening via transit that affect the whole world Mm. and then how those same transits affect each individual chart. There's also what's known as a chart for each country. Um, And Mm. yeah, I just found out, I didn't realize I'd never really done the chart of the United States of America. I was reading in Dell Magazine, which is a famous um, astrology magazine, um, but in the USA's birth chart, which of course would be July 4th, 1776, and there was uh some speculation as the time of birth but the time I have is 5:10 p.m. so I cast a chart and I do my mercury which is at 27 degrees of capricorn exactly conjuncts the pluto of the united states that means when I speak, it's very powerful or has a powerful effect on the United States. And I've never really thought of all that power I had. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I thought it was my hair and makeup. It's, my, <laughs> it's what I have to say. Oh, my God. Which we should mention is fabulous. Oh, I know it's, that oh, people it's, can't see this. But. It's a, it's, I got a crew cut now. I know it's a, <laughs> But I, I'll I'll see those crazy hats over where I'm famous oh, yeah. for or nutty hats, but anyway, back to your chart. Um, so yes, and so the rule of your Mars is Saturn, and your Saturn is in the ninth house. The ninth house is the house of higher education, publishing, advertising, and broadcasting. Um, and then the ruler of your Saturn is Jupiter, finishing full cycle or, or, or back here. Okay, interesting. All right, okay, so you're definitely and you work in public ed- education, right? Yeah, okay, it makes sense. And this sense. was
0: like this was essentially. Uh, follow someone throughout their life like this wouldn't change or
1: okay your birth chart is is stat- static meaning okay. it does not change yes. but you also have what's known as progressions a progress chart like okay. if I take your um, I mean that's why my my sessions are usually two hours because it's a lot of information to get through and I, I, I tend to bullet things and say as much information as possible as opposed to going off on you know because you can go off on tangents like forever so that would be thing. why people read horoscopes then yeah okay yeah yeah i mean but it's what you see in the newspaper is very cursory i mean right, you just right, say right. a few little things but it, it's when you have an astrologer go over your chart if they you know worth their salt they're going to go into great detail Okay. so like it's very obvious to me why you work in public education i'm going to talk about your ninth house in just a minute i was just doing a um uh, dis, uh displacement we know you talk about the ruler of this and you know or depositor rather. All right. So anyway, so the the second house and eighth house is the financial access. So eighth house is OPM, other people's money, as opposed to the second house, which is how you make your own personal money. So the eighth house is how you invest the money you make or how you get people to give you money. And you're actually a little bit luckier about getting people to give you money and investments than you are about making your own. So that means advertisers that want
0: to Support this podcast.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, because <laughs> um, yo, dude, that. yo, dude, you got Fortuna, otherwise known as the part of fortune. It's uh, from ancient Arabic astrology, and it I call it lucky point in sky because it's not an, uh, an astral body like a planet or planetoid or asteroid. It is a mathematically derived coordinate, hence the crosshairs. But all you need to know, it's a lucky point. Yes. Okay. Um, and you have it, the first uh, body up or, or the first. Uh, uh, First thing up in your eighth house, the house of OPM, other people money. Okay. You want other people money? You got luck with other people money. So yes, that would be investors. And you have Libra on the cusp of this, of this house, which is ruled by Venus. And Venus rules art, love, beauty, and music. Okay. And your Venus is in the sixth house, the house of everyday work. Okay. So your, oops, oh, here we go. Your everyday work um, is to get people to invest in you.
0: I mean, hey, so I'm marrying a rock star. People are going to invest their money in me.
1: Yeah, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to invest in someone who's married is to? Is this going to take a downturn somewhere? Like? <laughs> okay, now your moon is it really messed up? Okay, so oh, your no. mo- okay, so the mo- <laughs> you you something messed up? Oh you. boy! So your moon is in a, a difficult, dark place. Now, if you were born a little bit earlier, it would be in the sign of Sagittarius, um, which re- which is where my moon position is. So it's like you know, wacky and fun and like earlier um, in the day or earlier that month? Earlier in the day. Come on, mom! Because the moon and speaking of mom, the moon rules women. in your life starting first with your mom, your relationship with women in general, and also how where you get attention and support. Okay, so this house is sex, death, and taxes, it's a quote unquote Scorpio house. Um, and you have your moon in the sign of Scorpio in this house of Scorpio, so that can make you a little bit paranoid. Um, mm. you're a very instinctual person when you have moon. Um, In Scorpio, but you're so instinctual, but it's like it, it, it makes you paranoid because you it's like surround sound HD sensitivity. Okay. Okay, and it's like, is there an evil plot behind her stove, or am I thinking that there's one, or am I feeling or intuitive? I've been this thinking one? that this
0: whole time, actually. Yeah, I know. Like, so there's a
1: mouse poop <laughs> and some roaches. <laughs> oh, okay. For sure, it's a, it's a tenement apartment. What are you gonna do? Anyway, so Moon and Scorpio. Um, Scorpio energy is all or nothing. Three hundred percent in or get out of my face. It's it's a yes or it's a no. Hmm. A yes is a yes, a no is a no, a maybe is a no. Like when someone's like a yes, no. Okay, You're, it's a very, uh, it's a harsh moon, uh, so it could mean that your mom is a little on the intense or obsessive side. Okay, now to make that even more intense is the moon in Scorpio. The reason the the moon does not, it's either in its full or its detriment, I always forget which one, is that it's opposite the moon in its exaltation, which is moon in Taurus. Moon in Taurus is solid, it's stayed, it's practical, it's down to earth, and it knows how to gently set up a lucrative um not just lucrative, but because it's ruled by Venus, but uh, a pleasant and lucrative way to support themselves and to and to have their feelings be calm and stable. So Moon and Scorpio is very vehement and intense and kind of like a pinchy monster. Okay, do you know what I mean? And basically, this Moon is you feel it's to protect yourself by observing the hell out of things, but it makes you a little cagey.
0: Okay. I th- yeah, it makes you cagey.
1: There now, might be some accuracy so, to it. So, so if the moon in Scorpio wasn't intense enough, the ruler of your moon is Pluto, and your Pluto is in Scorpio, hello millennial, and it sits right next to your moon. So you have a moon-Pluto conjunction. So it is said that sometimes people with a moon-Pluto conjunction have psychic abilities, which I, get, I don't even like to use the word psychic, or you're very extremely intuitive. Extremely intuitive, hmm. but again, on the paranoid tip, Okay. It can make you crave power,
0: hmm. uh,
1: and and Scorpio is all about inner vulnerability and external strength to protect the internal vulnerability. That's what the nature of Scorpio, which wow. I did not understand until I studied it extensively, and then I had some Scorpio on my chart via progressions. Okay, and I, oh, I didn't explain what progressions are. So progressions are. Basically, you're not the same uh, man you were when you were 15. Right. Okay. You change over time. So your progress chart, and don't ask me to do the mathematics, it's very complicated. Okay. Um, it's where you're at. And I can show you your progress chart as well, but we're still working on your natal chart. Natal chart is the most important thing because it doesn't change, it's always. And then uh, another thing you ask if, it's, if things change, transits... That's this outer ring that I put up. That's what's going on in the sky right now, and it, and it explains how the planets in the sky right now are affecting your natal chart. Okay, we're gonna get into that later. Like I said, this stuff gets really complicated. Yeah, it does. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's complicated. So um, all right. So you'll, you you want to invest in art for sure or some an artistic nature and your selling point is that you are in it to get people to invest in you is that it's an artistic enterprise that is lucrative. Okay. Because Venus rules your I mean, eighth that house. Sounds great. Venus is your Venus rules your 8th house and Venus rules art, love, beauty and music and Venus also rules money. Okay. Okay. So this means you can make a fair amount of money if you get people to invest in your artistic uh project and that you Project that it will be a lucrative uh, venture because it's your everyday job. Sixth house, where your Venus is, the ruler of your eighth house sits in the sixth, um, and sixth house is everyday work, diet, health, nutrition, exercise. But it's basically the nuts and bolts of your daily routine for work. Um, anyway, so let's see what else can I tell you here. So third house and ninth house. The third house is the house of communication. Okay. And you have Taurus on the cusp of the third house. So this means that your overall mode of communication is Taurian, like as in Taurus, um, meaning that you would want to speak in a very practical way, down to earth, uh, really covering the bases and slowly devour the object of your inquiry. Okay. Now, of issue is that Venus is the ruler of your third house. Venus rules Libra and also rules Taurus. Okay, so the ruler of your third house is Venus, and your Venus sits in the sixth house, the house of everyday work. So your every um, so your everyday job is to communicate, literally. Okay, uh, anything else? So ninth house, ninth house is higher education, travel, publishing, advertising, and broadcasting. So it's the house of being a teacher, basically. Um, you have Scorpio on the cusp of this house, ruled by Pluto. And again, Pluto is in the eighth. Um, so this means you were all or nothing about this, f- this field. You dive in 300%, or forget mm. it. It's in the, and you have Saturn in this house, and Saturn is a very serious planet, and Saturn is the planet of professionalism. So it could either mean that you hated college, you didn't want to go to college, and you said 100%, 300% no, or you said 300% yes. I am going to make this my profession, and indeed that is what you would would you have done. And with, wherever Saturn is, one must be structured, organized, and disciplined. All right. Okay. The more structured, organized, and disciplined, the more successful you will be in this field. Okay. And the ruler of your Saturn is Jupiter, and your Jupiter sits in the first house, back to your first house. Okay. So uh, taking higher education, travel, publishing, advertising, broadcasting seriously, and doing it before the public. That's. Your gem. That's what you're. That's what you're doing right now. Way to go! Seems pretty true, doesn't it? Way to go! Then you have Juno, the asteroid of marriage, in um, the seventh house. It would appear that you take marriage very seriously. Hmm. So seriously that you're like, forget about it. That might be it right there. (laughs) Like every man, forget about it. Oh my God, it's terrifying. Yeah, Every man is terrified of one woman that's going to take over. <laughs> yeah. I'm noticing a lot of
0: seriousness, right? So it seems like with most of what you're saying, it's like I'm intensely whatever that thing is. So intense about the work, intense about the relationships, intense about life.
1: Well, because Saturn, yes, I would say you're, um yeah. On on well, Gemini's are like you know the the snake oil salesmen of the of the zodiac. You know they can talk oh, money no. out of a brown paper bag. They can they can they, can, <laughs> they totally can they can. Um, but anyway, so uh, uh, it's your, your son is Gemini. That's mutable air. Mutable is means it's changeable and it's a it's of a, of an air element. So Gemini is just. I, I always say that Gemini's have an unusual relationship with the truth because the truth is constantly changing for a Gemini. There's no absolute, so you have kind of a battle in your chart of Sagittarius and Gemini. Like okay. you have your your sun is in Gemini, but you have multiple placements in Sagittarius, so there's, they're forming oppositions. So part of you, um, you know, wants to have this unusual relationship with the truth and be really flexible. Uh, about uh, there's no hard line about the truth, but Sagittarius is the ponderer and the wanderer, and their search for truth and justice throughout the universe. It's like you know, <laughs> it's like early Star Trek stuff. You know, if we can even remember back that far.
0: And the, I mean, there's a duality with a lot of things with Gemini's, right? Or is that am I?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point yeah. with uh, with Gemini is that it, it's a duality. Okay. Okay. And I'll see. Do you have a you have a T cross? going to talk about you have a complicated chart but anyway i'll talk about your sunset in a, in a second you can read that in any paper so back to this Jun- juno is the asteroid of marriage so you're somewhat non-committal about marriage um, until you are uh just because um again the seventh house's cusp and contents are indicators so as I've already told you what they are, you want to wear it, marry a rock star, somebody who's very, you know, full of of themselves, some a, a tad narcissistic. Um, that's kind of, that can be what you're attracted to in a mate. Um, because you're cool and detached. You want you're attracting somebody who's like just super personality. Okay, maybe overbearingly so. Um, but that's one indicator. But the other indicator is Juno, the asteroid of marriage, which is in the non-committal sign of Satch. Okay. Um it's it's like you're You'd like to be a balloon that's, that's flying around, and you'd like a partner to be holding that balloon by a string on the ground to ground things, but mm. you need a big, long leash and plenty of freedom. And the more space they give you, the closer you would want to come to them. And if they crowd you, you're out the door, you're on the first plane, the first train, the first you know bus, anything to just get you out the door. That's pretty good, Angel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's why they pay me the big bucks. (laughs) Remind me to charge you more. Um, now, Now, that's one thing. However, you have Saturn right next to it. See four degrees and four degrees. Oh, whoa, that's an exact... Basically, Saturn and Juno were hanging out. Exactly. They were like right up on each other when you were born. Okay. Four degrees Sag 54, four degrees Sag 57. That is a tight conjunction. Conjunction means in the same sign. Okay. And or within a ten degree orb, because again, this is all based on mathematics. Again, I suck at math. Disclaimer: you know, I'm good at interpretation. I have I have computers do the mathematics for me. Um, anyway, every once in a while, somebody will write something about that. Like she looked at a computer screen. Oh, all right, fake. sue me already. Yes, yeah. 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 she's a fraud. She look I, like I'm not hocus pocus. I I can look at it on a piece of paper or I can look at a computer screen. It's all the same. But I'm you know I know the uh, interpretation.
0: Never satisfy
1: everybody. Yeah. Anyway, so. Just having Juno in Sag makes you super non committal and you want lots of space and freedom. Uh, however, Saturn next to Juno means that you're very serious about finding a mate. So serious about it that it becomes a stumbling block. Hmm. Can also mean that you may marry when you're older or you may want to marry an older person. Hmm. These are all, so an old, an aging rock star would be great.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. we're, really, we're really putting a lot of information about me out there right now. I <laughs> know. The
1: um, but what, what I here. really like about your chart is this. Um, now we're going to do fourth house and tenth house. The fourth house is early childhood experiences, home and family. And, and also how you make a nest or a family as an adult. And the 10th house, its opposite uh, house, is what you want to be when you grow up. Now, what I find very interesting is you have 13 degrees of Sagittarius on your MC. MC stands for media column, Latin for fame, and the cusp of the 10th house. So the, this point is your way to find fame and fortune if you should want that. Young man, uh, but what's interesting is that my Venus is 14 degrees of Sagittarius, and it sits right here in your chart. So what does that mean? Well, like I get lots of calls and lots of emails. Oh, please, please, will you inter- Can I interview you? And can you know? And, and I, I almost always say no, or I'm too busy. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm busy, you know. But I, for something about your voice, and I hadn't looked up your chart yet. But the fact that my Venus is right on your. Um, your MC, mean, meaning that the energy is there, that I would want to do some sort of artistry or in some way help you with your career. Wow, and that's happening. And, we're, and here we are. So, um, uh and you were very honest in your thing. You're not. You didn't try to in your email. You didn't try to hype up like, yeah, I'm a big shot, right. and you know this is a really big thing. You're getting in on the ground floor. I would have been like, delete. You know. <laughs> I <laughs> won't.
0: I won't forget about you when I have millions of listeners. Okay. You've <laughs> you it. you bet it.
1: I mean, millions of people. Have, here. Millions of people have heard and seen me, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> they wish they hadn't. But you know, why am I talking? Why am I talking like this today? <laughs> I don't know. I have, I, have, I have different voices, and sometimes I'm very aristocratic. <laughs> Depends on the day. I should have my own radio show, really, really. Yeah, anyway, so what's so interesting is you have Uranus, and I mentioned this before, right at the top of your chart, and Uranus rules internet, it rules radio, it rules television, it rules anything that plugs in and turns on, and, and, and also being a rebel or being different or being shocking in some way. Mm. Okay. So um, really what you're meant to do is to just you know, shock people uh, and be somewhat of a revolutionary Okay. In terms of your career. Now, the way people are on the private tip is different from their career, but for you, you are meant to either work in television or the internet. Okay. Be very, super high tech in what you do and do it before the public in somewhat of a shocking manner. I mean, just doing out on the internet or television would satisfy Uranus at the top, but Uranus is very unconventional. It's like like having lightning in your 10th house. Wow. Okay. So, and I have to mention that you have what's known as a T square. Uh, usually I systematically go. Planet, uh, ascendant, descendant, planets in the signs, planets in the houses. But I'm I'm jumping around just because we don't have a, we don't have two hours here, um, and you, I'm I'm going on to what's known as aspects. Um, aspects. That's the geometric relationships of planets form to each other at the time, date, and place. And I mentioned a couple, like I talked about a, a conjunction over here, but a T-square is a little complicated. It's two planets. Let's see, do we have a grand cross? Eh, well. Do we do have another mutable? If I'm hesitating, this hmm, technically that will that's series uh, doesn't necessarily have to be part of this. It's at least a T square, possibly Grand Cross. It depends on how far out you want to go. And it's based on mathematics. If I'm hesitating, sometimes things are too far. But okay. what what let's talk about. Let's first break it down into this opposition. A T square is two planets that oppose each other and they each square a third planet. And if a fourth is in the mix, this is a little bit, it's not quite an orb. You have Ceres over here that could make it, basically it's two planets that oppose each other, squaring another two planets that oppose each other, and they all square the hell out of each other. Um, It makes you a bit of a complex person, and a mutable T-square or a mutable uh, Grand Cross um, means that you have too many irons in the fire and you get distracted too easily. Okay That's one thing that can mean because you know mutable is changeable. So let's look at this. So Uranus opposite the sun, um, that can mean did you um did you defy your father at all?
0: I don't know, Dad, did I defy you? Are you out there listening? <laughs> I don't
1: Did you rebel against dad or or I mean, authority I was- figures? Uh yeah for
0: sure like uh, throughout my teen years and like early twenties I was you know going to punk shows and things like that and uh, pretty much any sort of authority uh, I had some well, sort of an issue well, with. What's
1: interesting because the sun repre- when somebody says I am a Gemini it means the sun is in Gemini. So the sun represents not only you your ego and identity but it also represents men in your life starting first with your dad. It represents authority figures hmm. like the government. Okay, so, so your sun at 26 uh, Gemini uh, opposes your Uranus, uh, or your Uranus opposes your sun, is the way you want to put it, um, by six degrees. So it's not a super tight opposition, but it is well within orb. Hmm. So it means that when people think you zig, you're going to zag. Okay. Okay, you, have, you want to change up on things. And it means, well, first of all, your sun is in a dual, is a sign of duality anyway. Um, but then it's opposite Uranus. It means you can be walking like this and walking like this, walking like this. Okay, walk like that. <laughs> you just change up on things. Hmm. Okay. Are you accident prone at all? Uh, let's see. It can... Your initials accidents as well, so it can make you accident prone just because you're you change up. Like all of a sudden you got you want to do something differently, and you you might want to do things very quickly and rush things. Um, and, and have accidents that way. So there's there's many things that Uranus can mean. Hence
0: the before you told me I need to be organized. So I guess there's a connection there, right? That's, being that, well,
1: the Saturn is a whole other story. Okay. And that's in your ninth house, which is being structured, organized, and disciplined in your uh, career in education. Okay, see. okay, Or in higher education. Okay, however, in your career house, okay, well, first of all, you have Sag at the top, and Sag is famous for being the teacher. Hmm. So you're meant to be a teacher, but you want to, if you think of yourself as teaching on a grand scale by broadcasting what you do, as opposed to just being in the classroom. Okay. Okay, because Sag is ruled by Jupiter, and Jupiter is large, and the ruler of your midheaven And your Uranus, again, sits in the first house. So making, appearing before the public in a broadcast capacity is what you're meant to do. Hmm. So your Uranus, which is actually, um, oh, okay. So the ruler of your Uranus is Jupiter and your Jupiter squares your Uranus. Now a square is a 90 degree angle and that's uh, 21 degrees to 20 uh, Pisces to Sag respectively, so th- that's a tight. That's a 90 degrees off by one degree. That is a very tight square. So um, squares 90 opposition 180. They create tremendous energy, and that energy can be used for conflict and discord. But it also, you know, when you rub your hands together like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds cool. Um, it creates heat. My hands are hot now. Right. Like in hot, you'll, you know, you put it on your hand, your the, your your hot palms on your eyes, you know, that's you know, to, to relax. Uh, it creates friction, in other words. So let's say you're walking on the beach and you get sand in your shoe and sand in your sock and that frictional relationship of the sand on the soles of your feet, it's really annoying and it, and it forces you to take off your shoe, take off your sock and deal with the situation. So when you have tight squares in your chart or tight oppositions, it creates somewhat of an enigmatic personality. It makes like, oh God, God damn it! I gotta get the sand out of my shoe. God damn it! I gotta go change the world. I gotta go change the world. I gotta go do something. Okay. So, like for example, punk rock is the juxtaposition of opposites. Mm-hmm. You know, the conservative with the outrageous. Coming together, so I mean that created punk rock, that created you know uh, something you know just so different and 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 out there. So within your chart, you could spend a lot of time spinning your wheels, or you could say, okay, I'm frustrated internally, and I want to do something about it. I want to go out and I want to make something in the world. Um, and so this is interesting. Because you have a tight square between these two planets, Jupiter and Uranus, and and Jupiter is the ruler of your Uranus and it squares it. So that means it, you really need to understand this part of you that wants to rebel and wants to do things differently. Now, if you understand that, that part of you and you understand that that's what you need to do for your career then that's cool. So that means you could be conservative in other areas of your life and practical in other areas of life. But when it comes to your career, doing the unexpected, being unusual, being brilliant, setting yourself apart from others is what will put you on the map. Trying to be like other people will get you nowhere slowly. Wow. All right, I have a question.
0: So, yeah, I've been mostly quiet this whole time because I'm just – uh, this isn't my forte, right? So I'm I'm sort of just absorbing this, and this is super interesting. Um, we're talking about all this stuff in essentially like a modern context, but is this something
1: that like ancient cultures were more aware of than maybe we are today? Because the ancient Babylonians three thousand years ago invented or discovered astrology. Okay. And astrology predates astronomy by thousands of years. Wow. So they're, they're interactive, you know, you know, NASA had this whole thing. I don't really want to get into it, but, um, like a month ago or so they were just saying that, you know, astrology is bullshit and there's 13 signs. How comes there's 12 and da, you know. So then, um, and I guess I'm getting
0: more into like the history of this kind of stuff, but, uh, so then where does this come from? Is there some sort of universal energy or universal order that like, we're, I mean, we're talking about like sacred geometry, right? We're talking about what? Like sacred geometry. Like we're
1: talking about mathematics, right? Mathematics. Yeah. So, which is again a science. Yeah, for what sure. What I like about it is quantifiable. It's definite. Mathematics is not open to interpretation. Right. Is it six pennies or six units or is it six thousand? Which is it? Is that it's not right. open to, to interpretation? It's a set and definite thing, which I really, I really dig about it.
0: So that's. I guess I'm not articulating myself so well, but that's sort of what I'm getting at. Is. um uh, Where does that, where does the math come from then? Like if, is it just the way that the universe worked itself out or... What was there some sort of intelligent design that created this this
1: mathematics and astronomy and astrology? Well, greater minds than than mine have debated this for for centuries, I suppose. But uh, the chicken or the egg, what came first? I mean, Nostradamus is like the the big the big deal, the big cheese Mm -hmm. in this, you know, because he made his predictions, and you know, you get these these old dudes with like you know protractors and and stuff, you know. (laughs) So. uh, I am not sure exactly what your question is, but like, who made astrology? Who made astrologers? Who the ancient well, Babylonians are the one who came up with this. But and right. I'm not, and I'm not into talking about you know proof of alien life or whatever. But we're talking three thousand right. years ago. We're not talking thirty years ago. We're not talking three hundred years ago. We're talking three thousand years ago, and this this is documented. They came up with this. So how were they so advanced in mathematics? Yeah, they I- didn't have calculators. They did not have computers, Hmm. you know, so that's, that has always amazed me. Um, I I don't know. I don't really, I I, I don't really think about that aspect of astrology so much. Okay. For me, it's more a client is sitting in front of me. They have an issue. Um, Like a client can come here and I can see that they're on the verge of divorce. Okay. And there, I can see I can look at their chart before they come, and I'm like, okay, she's the shit, setting the fan with her love life right now, and I know that's why she's here. Okay. And conversely, sometimes somebody can have big shocks to their career up here, and they're like, oh, you know. So uh, that's my concern. It, it's more of, of a, uh, helping people on an individual basis, or helping people on a, you know, if I do a podcast or a broadcast where, you know, I can uh, reach more people. But it's really for me anyway. It's about being a healer.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Is there anything else in my chart that I should be aware of? Okay, well, let's
1: look at aspects to your midheaven. Aha.
0: What is is (laughs) midheaven?
1: MC, that's the point of fame in your chart. Okay. You have Pallas Athena, which is an asteroid, and some astrologers don't put up the asteroids. However... I find them to be the chives on the baked potato. They're the pièce de résistance. They're the final detail. They're like, "Uh uh-huh. Like sometimes you're like, why is this this person having these issues? And you're like, oh, let me put up the asteroids. Okay. So, for example, Pallas Athena, which is the asteroid goddess, which has to do with sensing patterns and trends... And seeing a clear vision of the future, not to be clairvoyant per se, but finger on the pulse, finger to the wind, knowing the next new trend happening. Wherever Pallas Athena is, is where you are a trendsetter, not a trend follower, and where you sense patterns and trends and explain them to others. So your Pallas Athena, at 14 degrees of Leo, trines your midheaven from the house of everyday work, to the point of fame in your particular chart, okay? Um, So your everyday job is to sense patterns and trends and to explain them to others and garner your fame and fortune. Let me show you, Pallas Athena. The audience can't see this, but you can. I will describe it. Okay, okay. Um, And I was wearing this on the Refinery29 broadcast that was taken offline, (laughs) Is a
0: crime against humanity, clearly. Okay, oh, so this, this is, is a. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say almost like a pink Spartan type of a head. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's a pink sparkly Spartan. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> a pink sparkly Spartan head. Oh <laughs> In my
1: bathrobe, I <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> Can they hear me over here? Um,
0: I think so people can you hear yeah. um anyway so can so can i ask you about that for a second sure so now
1: a palace now this is interesting because palace athena in my chart okay is right here up on my midheaven the point of fame so what has made me famous is sensing patterns and trends seeing a clear vision of the future to be prophetic and to explain this to my clients so the more i sense patterns and trends and explain them to others the more famous I had become, and I didn't even think of this little asteroid. Mm. The, that's why I give credence to the asteroids because it depends on the placement. Now, in your chart, because your palace Athena is 14 degrees of Leo, it, it trines your a trine T R I N E is a very positive association. the most positive association: ease, comfort, flow, success. Okay. So, and conversely, some astrologers say like squares and hard angles can, you know, drive you to to make things happen, but they're also a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. And they can also, you know, bring down the the parade. But a trine is easy and profitable. And do you have anything else to pull that into a grand trine? Oh, oh. Vesta. Hmm. Hmm. Wider angle, so technically it could be a grand trine. A grand trine is very positive. Oh, oh, yes, yes. You have a actually, you have a couple of grand trines. Wow, okay. What does that mean? Uh, well, a trine is between two astral bodies or between two points. That's a trine. A grand trine involves three astral bodies or three po- or, or two astral bodies and a point in your in a like a cusp. Okay. okay, so let's start first with. Um, well, that's, that in and of itself is fabulous. You're, um, and you, sometimes things are too wide angle to be pulled into uh, an aspect, so you have to go, yeah. It can be trined by sign but not degree. But anyway, so it's best if it's both. Um, so the more you sense patterns and trends as your everyday job, in a theatrical sense because it's in Leo, and do it before the public, so the, broadcast it before the public on a grand scale, the more famous you will be. Wow, and as an astrologer, sensing in patterns and trends is what I do. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So it's in, so so it would be natural for you to go, oh, let me reach out to somebody who senses patterns and trends, and that will be helpful for my career. Get it? Okay, I do.
0: This is interesting.
1: And you also have um, uh, your Vesta trines your Juno. Ah trines your Venus. Ah, okay, okay. So this is a grand trine for sure, and uh, a two degree orb of trine between your Venus and your Juno, and your Venus and your Saturn. So this means that you could be structured, organized, and disciplined with your artistry, and the more you are, the more successful you will be. Um, and your Venus also trains your Juno, so that looks like a love marriage where you could work with your partner. That would help a lot. And let's talk about Vesta. Vesta is the I need to take a break asteroid, or I call it the vacation asteroid. Wherever Vesta is where we have a hyper focus, we're hyper-focused, we're hyper-focused, then we can't stand it anymore. Okay. Like if you had Vesta on your hand and you look at your hand, you look at your hand, you're like, I never want to look at my hand again. Okay. You know. So like um, all right. So your Vesta forms a trine to your Juno. So that means that you can be hyper-focused on a mate or finding a mate. And then you can't stand them anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then your Vesta trines your Venus, so you're hyper-focused on finding love. And you're like, oh, I can't stand it anymore. Okay? So learning to take a break from your fixation. Okay. For example, I had a client who had Vesta on her, right on her house of marriage. I'm like, how many times have you been married? She says, eight times. I'm working on my ninth divorce. And I said, don't let me guess. Every time you were hyper-focused on each new husband to be, and you let everything go. You stopped talking to your kids. You stopped your job. And she goes, oh, my God, I totally did that every time, and then I ended up hating, and you ended up hating him. I ended up hating him. So if she had stayed talking to her kids, if she had kept with her career, then she would have been able to have one husband and kept going with it. But she kept uh, focusing on him so much and then breaking up. Okay? So it does form a trine. So that means a healthy focus And then learning how to say, you know what, I got to hang out with the fellas tonight or I need to go talk to my mom tonight, you know, not being so focused on love and so focused on trying to find a mate. And again, it is a trine. So it means knowing when to kind of take that vacation from your quest for love and marriage. Awesome. So I. Let's talk about. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I want to talk about your transits a little bit. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, Oh, cool. So Uranus, um, by transit, first of all, you, and Uranus is retrograde, yeah? Yeah, okay. So Uranus in the sky right now is still retrograde, meaning it's... it's, so, it's you were saying before, this is the sky now. This is what's going on in the sky right now. Okay. So Uranus is at 21 degrees of Aries. Uh, in December, it'll go down to 20 degrees of um, Aries, and it will form an exact trine to your Uranus. Okay. So that is helping you with broadcast. Uranus represents internet, it represents television, and it represents astrology. Okay. So this broadcast, broadcasting an astrologer, will actually be very good for your career. And also, Uranus, because um, you're Uranus in the 10th house, the house of career, but Uranus is transiting your second house, the house of money. This means that you will make money from Uranian Enterprise for the next many years, because it will be many years in this house. So you Hmm. will make money from the internet. You will make money from video. You killed the radio star. I did. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously, I can look at this shot and say, he killed the radio star. (laughs) Video killed the radio. No, Tim Better killed the radio star. I haven't sung it. Oh, my God. Shall I play theremin for you? Uh, Sure. Okay, hold on. See I'm an Aquarius so I have to get up and do wacky stuff sometimes. I don't know if you'll will you, you'll be able to hear it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
0: Like I was just projected into some weird cosmic event.
1: (laughs) Is is this something that
0: that someone would hear when you perform?
1: Well, sure. I have a gig on December 9th at the Howell Gallery, where I will be singing, playing theremin, and doing performance art, as I have done for many years. Well, the theremin is more of a, people call me a human theremin when I sing, obviously, but um, I have recently started playing theremin as well, as you could hear.
0: Wow. So we've talked a lot about me. Before we close out, I do want to hit on a couple more things. Like, So how long have you been performing? Uh, about
1: 33 years.
0: 33 years. Now tell me about your time in a punk band. Um, my
1: first band in New York was called Womb Service. Okay. Like, ha-wow, womb service. And... Um, my first boyfriend in New York. I call him my East Village boyfriend. I wrote a song about him. He passed away a few years ago, oh. quite young, um, unfortunately. He was a gorgeous guy. And actually, we're going to be featured in a magazine in the UK called uh, Jocks and Nerds, because uh, now the the Rivington School book is being released, and that is not a uh, bricks and mortar school. It's a an art movement from the 1980s um, that is now you know caught international fame, um, just because it was such a raw underground art movement that kids with their apps, there's no app for the Rivington School. There's no mm. app for what we did, okay, and our, and continue to do. Like, for example, there were all these abandoned lots in New York City in the 1980s that were filled with broken glass, razor blades, junkies, and the Rivington School, we would show up uh, with blowtorches, uh, you know, Kansas spray paint, found objects, and erect these 50-foot sculptures, and I would b- cover myself in, in body paint and a diaper and a, a wire hanger on my head and just get up and say, uh, trash from logic and logic from trash. We ride the wave, we ride the wave, we ride the wave and don't come back, don't come back. Very edgy, very dark. There, It, it can't be recreated, but it is at least captured and, and epitomized in this book, The Ring of So I'll be published for the first time. I never tried to get published, but... I wrote a couple pages in this book. so. And when's that coming out, and how can people uh, check that er, out? It's a, a UK pro- publisher, Black Dog uh, is the publisher, okay. and it will be available in bookstores as of, I believe, December 7th at Printed Matter here in New York City. They're having an opening. And then from the uh, December 8th to December 11th, there'll be a variety of events at the Howl happening, the Howl Gallery on um, East 1st Street. Here in the East Village. Um, I will be performing on December uh, 9th, doing my thing, along with Phoebe Legere and Jim C. Those are a couple people on that bill. Uh, The Voluptuous Horror of Karen Black will also be performing the next night. So there'll be a lot going on. And this is the kind of things that you would read about in books and you couldn't imagine to see in real life anymore. But, you know, the fact that we're still alive and we're still doing edgy stuff and we're not an app yet. You know. Do you
0: do you have recordings from your band?
1: Womb Service. I do have recordings from Womb Service. I have to find them. I think they're on cassette tape, whatever. Uh, but I ha- yeah. We uh, we uh, we we. It was it was it was. Uh, it was, it was a pretty wild time, and you know, and and Dave, he knew Sonic Youth, uh, oh. and so you know, he'd be like, oh, let's go hang out with Thurston. I'm like, yeah, who's Thurston? <laughs> who, the, who, the, who the hell's Thurston? they what a weird name. And like, oh, he's a cool guy. And Thurston, Moore, oh, what's your band? Sonic Youth. I was I was rude to them. I was rude to everybody. You know, <laughs> I was equally rude to everybody, so they liked me. You know, instead of being like, oh, you're a famous punk rocker, let me kiss your ass, it would be more like, yeah, get on my face. And then be like, oh hey, who are you? You know, it, was, it, it like everybody's so PC now. I, I guess I'm from a different. Generation where PC was like, we just vomit on PC. Mm-hmm. We're going to cut PC up with razor blades, you know?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, um, and I guess like the way I can relate again is like through uh, listening to punk music, but uh, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not from the original days in, in, of punk in New York, but. When I was young and I started listening to stuff around, I guess, like 13, there were mail-order like mail catalogs where you would send them a dollar, you'd send them a stamp, and they'd send you back a catalog, and you'd get like compilations and things like that. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, there's so much more accessibility nowadays where you can, I mean, nowadays you can tweet at someone that plays music, and they might tweet back to you, and you can talk to them directly. But I'm wondering if you think that like art in that medium is better today than it was in the 70s, 80s. What do you mean? The way the way it's made now, I guess, like in the totality, edge uh,
1: is the is the issue. So okay. edge is missing
0: nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
1: for example, I, I like I said, millennials have been on my poop rag lately just just because I just I got mad about this refinery twenty nine thing. That's one thing. Um, and then the election, you know, the young millennial women didn't want to vote with their vaginas, and uh, you know everybody's like PC, and you can't do this, and you can't say that, and it's like I love the raw expressiveness of punk, um, and like when when people have punk's ban- punk bands now, it's like that would be they would be booed off the stage mm-hmm. back then. I'm sorry, because there's there's not edge. Um, so I say punks invented cool, millennials still working on the app for cool you know <laughs> so like there's no app for punk there is not an app for cool and if somebody invents it i mean rock on okay but um i guess it, it, oh and back to astrology for one second like yeah. um the outer generational planets like pluto uranus and neptune they stay in a sign for many years that's why they're outer generational planets so they denote entire generations okay, okay. like for example your generation, the, the millennial Pluto, is Pluto and Scorpio, okay, or for the, the bulk of the time period that, that is millennial. Um, so, your generation is hot or not when it comes to sex and intimacy. Okay. Uh I'm I'm not going to say, I'm before names. I'm Donnie Darko's mother. We've already established that. So. Yeah, so. actually, did I in in the did I hear an Ellen Bernstein in the middle of when you said Ellen uh, Bernstein? Yeah, when you were yeah. saying Bernstein. Okay. Yeah, I do I do weird <laughs> shout outs to speak Wait, um Vigo Mortensen <laughs> the intense rage I feel <laughs> you know I'm always doing celebrity thing before La- Lana Del Rey and I love I actually love her but I was doing that like shouting out to celebs like 30 years ago it's awesome you know I just yeah, yeah Vigo Mortensen the intense rage I feel <laughs> it just kind of fit like so good there um uh, I'm trying to think of one of the womb service songs. Oh, Rod Ram, Remus Rhyme, you've committed a penis crime. Never, ever in the annals of time have we seen such a heinous crime as your penis crime. My name is Marilyn Rod Ram, Remus Rhyme, you've committed a heinous heen- crime. So that was that, and then we'd go into uh, this thing on, on Marilyn Monroe, and, and uh, you know, it's just like with this insane punk banter you know what i mean like I you know it. insane drums and, and, and insane saxophone and insane guitar you know um and i am uh, working on another anyway so i'm so i'm i'm still not entirely sure what i'm gonna do for this gig uh next uh what's this it, in a week or so it's like next it's early december december 9th a couple weeks um but I, I know it's going to be you know I've, I've been singing for many years so i've you know I know how to sing well and I know how to sing correctly uh, and I know how to do a structured set but I always leave room for improv and just doing wacky stuff and performance art and, and using found objects whatever's there to just kind of vibe off of it
0: Okay, very cool um, What should we close with?
1: Oh, I don't know you're, you're in charge here, whatever you want
0: Well, is there anything left in my transit chart that I can use to guide me?
1: Oh right, right. We didn't get too much into the transits. Well, like I said, you really want to work internet and television for the next many years, at least the next seven years. Uh, that Uranus will be in your second house, and you like right, in the net. Na- in early December, Uranus is going to trine your Uranus from the house of money to your house of careers. So that means that you uh, could get some notoriety and some money for being unusual or different. Or Featuring an astrologer for that matter, or just kind of pushing the Uranus, likes to push the envelope, you know, so you want to do more of that in your career. Um. us see, anything else that's happening? Ah, yes, pal. Jupiter, the planet of wealth and expansion, is about to go into your eighth house, the house of Mula, the house of other people's money, and it'll stay there for approximately one year. So for one year, people will be wanting to invest in you, and it's going to go over your Fortuna, your moon, and your Pluto in the course of the next year. Um, and just bring you you know, uh, an abundance of opportunities for to invest your money or to have people invest in you. Now, you are a little bit under the thumb in your career right now because Saturn, the planet of difficulties, obstacles, delays, and also structure, um, and, and it, all, it also is the crystallization of what it touches. Nothing moves without Saturn. Saturn makes things happen. Saturn's the reality planet, but it's a pain in the neck, like, no doubt. Um, so this planet um, is in your 10th house, and it's been there for a few years, and it'll be there for mm, at least another year, year and a half. It hasn't been there for that long, actually. It's been there for Six months or so, so it could be that you're feeling under the gun in your career, or a boss is saying, "Oh, you've got to do things." That's not—it's like Sisyphus, you know, with the rock. You know, the gods are like, "Let's throw the rock down the hill." You know, on the, the huge mountain. And yo, Sisyphus, yo, 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 Sisyphus, no. are you down there like in in the Bronx? <laughs> and, yeah, okay, come on, yo, Sisyphus, come on, get up, get get the rock up. So so anyway, so you, you know, he he breaks <laughs> in the Bronx. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Sisyphus, he's in the Bronx. <laughs> obviously, I mean, come on, if you're Sisyphus, you're gonna live in the Bronx. You can't afford to live because you know you're the <laughs> schlub. You're the you're the schlub with the the big bowl. On your on your on your shoulders. So he brings it all the way up to the top of the hill, and then the, the gods say, you know, we we didn't really like the way you did at that time, and so they throw it down the hill. And Sisyphus is like, yeah, yo, yo, Sisyphus, you, you're in the you're in Brooklyn now. Okay, you got it to <laughs> Brooklyn. Okay, so you got to get you know, we, you're in Queens next. You know, you haven't got to Manhattan yet. Okay, so anyway, so that could be how you feel in your career. Now, the best way to handle authority figures who give you crap over the next couple years in your career. Thank you for drawing that to my attention while Mm. I vomit in my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) The smile and the okay. Yeah, the smile and the vomit. So um, being uber professional, being the one to take care of things before somebody reprimands you about something, and really trying to. Uh, maintain uh, and develop the structural integrity of your career. Indeed, you are building a platform or a home for your career that you will live in for the next 30 years because it'll take uh, Saturn 30 years to bug the shit out of you in your career again. So basically when you're Sixty Saturn's good, but remember Saturn also rewards for due diligence and hard work. And you tell me you work eleven hours a day. You sound like a very hardworking young lad. So um, this this uh, diligence, this due diligence, and this persistence. Um, and stick-to-itiveness and hard work will pay off. And that means authority figures could you know give you the pattern back. Now, if you're messing off and you're you know messing up and, and not taking care of every last detail and not taking care of the structural integrity of your career, then, oh, Saturn will let you know.
0: Okay.
1: Because the gods will throw <laughs> that rock down the hill. You'll be Sisyphus. Do you feel, kind of feel like Sisyphus in your career? Like, come on, this rock is killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. Maybe a
0: bit. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that... Yeah, it gives me a lot to think about. I think that there's a lot of good advice to unpack within all this. Um, wow, your Mercury's
1: opposite your Mars. Oy. What does that mean? Uh, it means that when what you say and what you do are like the opposite. <laughs> oh no! Your Mars is in a good place. Your Mars is in its I'm exaltation a in Capricorn. So that is very you're very driven to be successful that is for sure it's just it's exactly opposite your Mercury that means when things are calm you you say what you have to say but when things get if somebody gets aggressive with you then they kind of wish they had not because mm. you will just you know tear them a new one yeah that kind of thing I think that's true Yeah, yeah like when things are calm yes but when you feel someone's aggressive towards you then you can be very aggressive in your speech I just noticed that one <laughs>
0: Um, All right. Well, listen. I enjoyed this. This is the first time I've ever done something like this. Like again, I told you, like pretty skeptical person, um, but you broke this down pretty easily for me, and I appreciate that. And. also, you are incredibly unique. <laughs> oh, stop already. No, seriously. Um, I, I, I will put your information in the show notes, which is like your website and things like that. Oh, thank you. So that people can check you out. Uh, I definitely recommend that. And then the website too, if they want to come get in, uh, you know, an astrology reading. Sure. Um, it's also a great thing to give for somebody for the holidays. Awesome. Yeah. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. It is. Awesome. Um, all right. Thank you so much. You are totally welcome. I look forward to... Maybe having you on again one day. Cool beans. All right, cool. Thanks. Until next time, people, this was the no. Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. No. Exactly. <laughs>